Well, we are continuing this morning in the book of Proverbs. And a couple of weeks ago, we, we began uh, the time in Proverbs. And some of what we said, just to, to remind you that uh, the Hebrew word for wisdom is chokmah. And we hear, uh, we read in the book of Proverbs that God himself designed the world with his chokmah. And so within uh, the life of the world and the way that things work in the world, his wisdom is there. And so if we live according to his wisdom, if we live according to his principles, things will in general go well for us. And so we talked about how the Proverbs gives us instructions and directions in life, and that if we follow them, that in general things will go well with us. Uh, But we also talked about how the Proverbs, uh, we should read them not as promises, but as principles. These are our general ways that the world works, and that if we live according to them, we are living with the grain of the world. Do you remember us talking about that? And that if we live against them, we, we are living our lives against the grain, and things will usually not go well with us if we don't live according to God's wisdom and his, uh, that, that he reveals to us in his word, and particularly in the Proverbs. Well, today we're going to talk about a topic that is discussed in the book of Proverbs more than any other topic other than wisdom itself, and that is our words the way that we use our mouths. What Proverbs says to us is how you speak will make or break your life. How you speak will make or break the communities that you are invested in. If you are a person that simply cannot control your mouth, cannot control your words, if you use words in ways that hurt other people, that tear people down, or that get you in trouble— If you are a person that is prone to lying and to dishonesty, then you will find that you have a difficult time in life. You will be living your life against the grain. You will find that life is always a struggle. What we're also going to talk about today is that the way that a community of people uses our words with one another will make or break that community. We learn how to speak by listening to other people. That's just simply true with infants, right? Uh, Abraham is now just over one year old, and he listens to us, and he is learning how to speak. We say, say bye-bye, and he, to the best that he can, bye-bye. He learns how to speak through listening to the people around him. That's the way that God designed us, and it's true as we grow up and as we become a part of a community of faith, we learn to speak as we listen to other people that are around us. We learn how to speak about who God is and about who we are, and we learn about the truths of who God is through the words of one another. And so we learn how to speak by listening to one another. And so the way that we use our words in the church will make or break us. They will shape us in one way or another. It will influence the way that all of us speak and will influence the way that all of us view our world. So the book of Proverbs says more about this topic than any other. I think because in our relationships with each other, the way that we use our words will make or break those relationships. And so we need to pray and ask God to help us because the book of James says, no one can control their tongue. So will you pray with me? Our God, we need your help. We need your help 
to use our words, these mouths, these tongues that you have given to us, that you have created us to have. Lord, we need your help in order to use them in a way that, first of all, point people to you. And secondly, express our love for one another and for our neighbors, and that build up this community here at Broadway. So we ask for your help today as we hear from your word that you would make us the kind of people who, whose words are a fountain of life. Amen. So Proverbs says a lot about our words, but really if you think about all of the scriptures, the scriptures as a whole from Genesis to Revelation speak a lot about the importance of words. The very beginning, what is God doing? He's speaking. He created the world with his words. In Genesis 3, it was the lying word of the serpent that brought sin, the possibility of sin, into the world. So we continue to go on in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 11, we have the story of the Tower of Babel, which is all about words, right? And we have a group, a community of people who decided, who decided to use their words to build a city and a tower apart from God on their own strength, on their own power. And God saw that and he came down and he confused their words. Think about the story of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is invited into the presence of God. He is experiencing the holiness of God. And what does he say? He, he doesn't say, purify me, I, I am a man of sexual immorality, or purify me, I am a cheater. He says, purify me, for I am a man of unclean lips. As Isaiah is standing there experiencing the holiness and perfection of God, he realizes how unclean his lips are, and so God comes and takes a hot coal and purifies his lips. Jesus spoke about words all of the time. Out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. And the book of James talks at great length about the power of our words and the power of our tongue. And I want to start there this morning. So turn to James chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 2 through 12. James chapter 3, verses 2 through 12. James writes this, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. That's an amazing thing to say. If we can learn, if we can trust God, if we can ask him and have him direct us to control our tongues, then everything else is going to be a lot easier. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. 
The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You know, I think we are sometimes under the impression that our words don't mean very much. And that maybe when we do wrong with our tongue, when we sin with our tongue, that it's really not that big of a deal. We say, oh, oh yes, of course, I've sinned with my words. You know, I've lied, I've told white lies, I've, I've sworn, I've told a bad joke, whatever it may be. But it's not one of those really, really bad sins, you know, like adultery or murder or something like that. But that's not what James says at all, is it? James says that if a person is able to control their tongue, then they are holy. The tongue is the most difficult thing, and if we learn to control it, then we can control any part of our body. And in fact, the tongue is, so, is more dangerous than any other part of our body that we can use for sin. It destroys or has the power to destroy. And James gives three images in this teaching, which I think are really powerful for us to consider as we think about the power in the problem of our tongues. The three images that James uses is the image of a bit in a horse's mouth, a rudder on a ship, and a small spark that can create a huge fire. And I think there's two things that I want to say that these images communicate to us. The first is that how a small thing has great power. A bit in a horse's mouth and the rudder on a ship is what guides and directs that animal or that ship. A small spark creates a great fire. All of these things are small, but they have great power. And so it's easy for us to not give a whole lot of attention to becoming holy with the way that we use our words because we tend to think that this is a small thing, the way that we use our words. And I think that's often because we do not always immediately see the impact of our words on other people. Sometimes uh, those seeds that are planted with the words that we say don't bear fruit for a long time. And sometimes it's bad fruit that we are cultivating when we, when we speak. So these analogies of the bit in the mouth, the rudder on a ship, the small spark are all reminders that this small thing, our, our tongue and our words, while they may seem insignificant, that they are very important and they have great power. The second thing that these three images illustrate is the kind of influence that our tongues have on our community. The bit and the rudder, these things are, are used to direct the animal or the ship and tell them where to go. And so the way that we speak to others has the power to direct their lives. I, I've said recently how the words that people have spoken to me in my life in the past have shaped me in the way that I think about myself, both positively and negatively. I have made major decisions in my life based on the words that people have said to me. The words that we say to others have the power to direct the course of people's lives. Even though our tongue is small, it has great 
power. And like a spark, it has the power to destroy. When I read these words here in James, I think especially, especially about the power of gossip and the way that gossip can spread like a wire, wildfire. You know, that little thing that we say to someone that we don't think is a very big a deal, it spreads and it spreads throughout the community and can destroy a community. Gossip is very easy for us to do, and it destroys the community like fire. The tongue, even though it is very small, it has great power. It has the power to direct like a bit in a horse's mouth or like a rudder on a ship, and it has the power to destroy like a small spark can destroy a forest. And so here is the problem and the power of our words. We can never take them back. Once they are spoken, they can never be taken back. Once they're spoken to someone, those words become a part of the world. They become a part of the relationship that we have with that person. They shape and form that relationship in one way or another. Once those words are spoken, they can't be taken back. I remember very early in our marriage, um, I was sarcastic towards Katie, and I, I said something that um, you know, kind of put her down, and she immediately put her foot down. And she said, no, we are not going to talk to one another that way. She knew that even though we had that, uh, even though I was joking, that there was that little bit of truth in it that could take root and bear bad fruit in our marriage. Now, I remember a few years ago talking with uh, someone I knew that had, that had a divorce a few years earlier. And I had an opportunity. I never really talked to him about that. And I asked him, you know, why did, why did the two of you get a divorce? And, you know, I wondered, you know, was there, you know, infidelity or what, what was going on? I, I didn't know. And he said, he said it, was, it was nothing big. There was no infidelity. It was the unkind words that we said to everyone, each other every single day. And those built, and they built, and they grew, and they grew. And it destroyed their marriage. Proverbs tells us that careless words pierce like a sword. Careless words pierce like a sword, says Proverbs. Think about that image. If you get pierced with the sword, you may live. You may get healed. But the scar remains, doesn't it? Now, there's this popular idea out there that it doesn't really matter what other people say about you. It only matters what you think about yourself. And of course that's true. We need to be able to stand as children of God and know that whatever he says about us is the most important and ultimately the only thing important. But we also know that it's not true either. That we have to have life-affirming. We desire and we need affirming words from one another. And the great power of our words is that once they are spoken, they cannot be taken back. They become a part of our reality. They become a part of that relationship. And we know from our own experiences the ways that our words can do damage to us and to other people. There are many of you here today, as I'm speaking these words, you are remembering a word that someone spoke to you or remembering a word that you spoke to someone else that you regret many decades ago because they stay with us. So that is uh, the problem of our words, but there's also great power, good power in our words. 
Our words can cause great harm, but they can bring life and healing to our communities as well. It was amazing to me as I was reading through Proverbs how many times the Proverbs speak about the importance of good and right and true words and the way that those words have a way of building people up. Proverbs 18.21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its, eat its fruit. The words that we say, according to Proverbs, have the power of life or death. In Proverbs, gossip and slander, they bring ruin to communities. Harsh words bring destruction. Reckless words pierce like a sword. But in Proverbs, good words, true words, apt words are what bring healing and wholeness and life to the community. Proverbs 16, 24, and 25, a wise man's heart guides his mouth and his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Have you ever had a word spoken to you that just brings healing to your bones into those deep places where you are hurting? And it's that apt and true word spoken at the right time in the right way that brings healing to that part of your life. Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. God desires to use your words to bring life to other people. Communities will live or die based on what kind of words they use. This week I heard this quote, some people cause happiness for others. Uh, let me start over. Some people cause happiness for others wherever they go, and others whenever they go. <laughs> we want to be a community of people that fosters joy and happiness in one another. That wherever we go, and the words that we say would be words that build one another up, that encourage one another, that speak truth to one another. Our words are important, and we want to be a community that builds up so that we can thrive. So this morning, I want to talk to us as a church about how we use our words and some characteristics about our speech that will help us to be a healthy church together. The words of the righteous are a fountain of life. So what kind of words can we use with one another that will be a fountain of life for other people? Well, the first is simply this. We need true words, not deceptive words. You know, it's possible to say words that are technically true, but are actually deceptive, right? This is what we call maybe a white lie that some of us may be under the impression that those are okay, but our words must be true, not only technically, but they also must be true without deceit. When we are seeking to deceive someone in any way, it's almost always, almost always because we're seeking our own benefit rather than the benefit of the other person. Think about that. Think about when we lie, when we deceive, it is almost always because we're more concerned with ourselves than the other person. When we lie or deceive someone, we're denying that person the opportunity to know reality. 
We put a shroud over their minds concerning what's real and therefore right and good. And people aren't able to make good and right decisions if they don't know what's real. If they're they're living according to reality, according to the truth, people are able to make good decisions. But when we lie to one another, we are putting one another in the dark and keeping people from making right decisions. A lying tongue, Proverbs says, a lying tongue hates those that it hurts. And a flattering mouth works ruin. A lying tongue hates those that it hurts. When we tell a lie to save our own skin, it's to seek our own benefit. And Proverbs goes a step further and says that there's evidence that you actually hate the other person that you're lying to because you're trying to keep them in the dark about what is actually true about the world and about you. We need true words also because you and I need to hear the truth all the time. There have been times in my life when I have had brothers in Christ who have loved me so much that they risked our friendship, that they risked me thinking that thinking well of them in order to speak a true word into my life that I need to hear at that moment. They knew it would be hard for me to hear. They knew that there was risk, that I would be angry, that I might reject them or say, forget you or whatever it may be. But they took the risk because they loved me and they told me the truth about what they saw in me. And I'm a better man today because they spoke true words into my life. So our words must be true without deceit. And we must also speak true words about what we see in one another. And when we do that, the second thing, the second characteristic of our words is that our words must be apt. I really like that word, apt. It's so short, but it means so much. Proverbs 25, 11, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. We need to tell the truth to one another, but the words that we say must also be apt. In other words, they must be timely. They must be appropriate. They must be appropriate in gentleness and kindness and in concern for the other person. If you tell the other person the truth, but say it in a way that they can't receive it, you may as well not say it at all. Even if your words are true, but if they're not apt, if they're not timely, and gentle and appropriate to the hearer, you will be failing in using your words rightly. You, as the communicator of truth, must consider how I must, how I can best communicate this to someone else. Third, our words must be few. The third characteristic of how we use our words is that our words must be few. Proverbs says this, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. I mentioned this as we were praying today uh, before the service with the worship team, and Ben Fisher says, uh, does this mean your sermon's going to be shorter today? (laughs) Truly, for a teacher... This is actually why James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. These are sobering words for a pastor who is called every day to speak thousands of words into people's lives. That my words should be few, because when words are many, sin is not absence. 
you ever have those, those moments late at night when you think back on the conversation that you had earlier that day or earlier that week and you think, ah, I should have said that at that moment. That really, that would really, that really would have got him, you know? <laughs> it really would have been that sword that pierced. I am, I'm a really good arguer and debater at about midnight as I'm laying in bed, thinking about all the things that I could have said earlier in the day to someone. But that's really God's grace that keeps us from saying those words. Because Proverbs tells us that it's actually a good thing when you hold your tongue. Proverbs 17, 38, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. It's impossible for your words to always be true and always be apt and always be gentle and always be kind if you're saying too many of them. So let your words be few. Let your words be thoughtful and come from a place of concern for others rather than yourself. I want to suggest this is especially true for us in an age of social media and email. Let your words be few there. You know, it's very rare that I post something on Facebook or make a comment on Facebook and get, you know, finish and click send and 10 minutes later go, ah, I'm really glad I said that. It's very, very rare. It's usually quite the opposite. There's been plenty of times where I've said something or made a comment that I've regretted later. There's something about that medium, about Facebook and Twitter, that heightens even the power of our words because they just sit there forever for people to read. So it requires in that arena to consider prayerfully and thoughtfully the ways they're using our words. Facebook and Twitter needs Christian voices, needs Christian words, but they ought to be thoughtful ones. They ought to be ones that come from a place of concern for others rather than winning an argument or whatever it may be. So Proverbs says at least those three things about our words. It says many other things, but if we're thinking about what it means for us to be a healthy community, we need to reflect, are our words true, are our words apt, and are our words few? Are our words true? Are they apt? Are they few? The last thing that I want to talk about today is, is the verdict of our words. Proverbs says this about our words, that our words give a verdict about the content and the condition of our heart. Our words reflect something about the content and the condition of our heart. Proverbs 16:24 A wise man's heart guides his mouth and his lips promote instructions. Proverbs 18:4 The words of a man's mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. And of course Jesus in Matthew 12 Out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. So what is the point of these verses? It's from the heart that the mouth ultimately speaks. And so what I want to do for a couple of minutes here is I want to take a time of silence. I want you to consider the ways that you, in particular, sin with your words. How are you prone to most likely sin 
with the way that you use your words. Maybe God will show you that your sin is most often gossip. Once you've identified the way that you sin with your words, I want you to ask the question, why? What does this reveal about the content of my heart, about the condition of my heart? So if God does reveal to you that your sin is gossip, what does that reveal to you about your heart? Do you want to appear to other people that you're kind of in the know? Do you want to appear to other people that you're in the inner circle and that you know all of the the juicy gossip around church or around the workplace or in the neighborhood? Do you need to put other people down so that you feel bigger? Why do you gossip? What does it say about your heart? Maybe your sin is that you do use your words to cut people like a sword. You're disrespectful. You're unkind. You use sarcasm and jokes in a way that tear people down. Well, what does that reveal to you about your heart? Why do you use your words in order to make other people feel small? Maybe your sin with words is lying. What is that saying about your heart? Why are you trying to make yourself look better than you really are? What are you trying to gain with your lie? What is more important to your heart than the truth? You get it? So for a couple of minutes, I'd like to take a moment, a couple of minutes of silence and ask the Lord to show you where am I most prone to sin with my words and ask the Lord to reveal to you what does that say about the condition of my heart. Our God in heaven, we do thank you that you have made us in your image as people who are able to speak and to create, and to bless with our words. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would show us today the ways that we fail to use our words in this way. We thank you that the sins of our past can be forgiven through the blood of your Son. And we thank you that you have sent your Spirit into our lives to fill us and to transform our hearts so that out of the overflow of our hearts that our mouth would speak good and true and life-giving words. So for each of us today and in the coming days, Lord, we ask that you would show us the areas of our life where we are failing to use our words in a way that honors you and that builds up others and that you give us the strength, the ability by your Spirit uh, to live lives that honor you. Amen.